Radio Show. This is WTWW. I'm Ted Randall, and thank you for listening, spending your evening with us on Shortwave Radio. This is WTWW, and this is only a test, and you're listening on frequency 5085 kilohertz. You are invited to share the magic of HF broadcasting and amateur radio to a worldwide listening audience. Welcome. This is the QSO Radio Show. Give us a call now at 615-547-9520 and share with a huge global radio audience. That's 615-547-9520. And now, the QSO Radio Show with Ted Randall. We really appreciate you uh, tuning in our way and joining us and keeping company with us and giving us all these signal reports and telling us all these marvelous stories. Who's on the phone with us here? Uh, good evening. My name is uh, Bruce Tisdale, and uh, I'm from uh, up near Indianapolis, Indiana. You're in Indianapolis? Right. All right. Well, how's how are we coming in up there? Well, you're coming in uh, very good. Uh just tuned in a little bit ago and to see if you were there and uh, tuned it in and been listening for a little bit and uh, I enjoyed the program and uh, just thought I'd uh, say hi and congratulate you on the uh, station. All right, well I appreciate that. Well, of course, you know we're all here, but we're not all there. <laughs> I, I, I realize. I realize. Yeah, we got off to a little shaky start, but we're doing pretty good now. We heard from we George did. George a little earlier. We'll have him back on again. Well, tell me a little bit about your ham radio career. Well, I'm uh, my call is uh, uh, Kilo Nine India Charlie Papa, and I've been uh, in amateur radio since the mid seventies, and uh, I'm an amateur extra, and uh, it's just uh, just a fun hobby. I've enjoyed it. Met a lot of a lot of nice people, both on the radio and in person uh, through uh, through amateur radio, and uh, it's uh, it's very enjoyable for that reason. How did you get into the hobby? What's what started you off? Well, uh, believe it or not, I was an avid shortwave listener when I was young, uh, and uh, my uh, my father had an had an interest uh, kind of in the hobby as well, and uh, so I used to listen to not only shortwave radio uh, broadcasts, but I listened to ham radio operators, and was fascinated by. Uh, the, the opportunity to be able to actually talk on the radio uh, yourself rather than just listen. And of course, back in those days, I'm sure I'm I'm sure you were probably hearing some AM uh, activity on ham uh, radio. Yeah. A- absolutely, mainly AM at that time. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was a nice variety of uh, things uh, on the uh, on the air. And of course, I I did a lot of CW at that time. I don't quite do as much now as I once did, but uh, that was also a fun part of the hobby. Well, what bands are you on now? What what is your uh, what what do you like doing? Well, I I, uh, I enjoy uh, high frequency, uh, forty meters, uh, twenty meters, uh, and now of late uh, I've I've gotten into six meter operation a little more as the bands opened up. And uh, but mainly, I, I like DXing, and uh, periodically just uh, rank you, uh, just sitting back and talking to people uh, that I meet on the radio. Are you active in a local club there? Absolutely, uh, that's one of the, another one of the parts I enjoy. Uh, 
belong to a local club. As a matter of fact, today uh, uh, we I spent the whole day with a uh, group uh, that we were training for a technician license, and uh, we uh, had about 20 people, and we followed that up with testing, and uh, it was very uh, fulfilling because we, we've got uh, probably three-quarters of the people that uh, actually passed their test and uh, now became uh, new ham uh, operators uh, and uh, hopefully club members as well. Well, we really appreciate you, uh, you calling in and giving us signal reports, and we love hearing stories about clubs, especially clubs that uh, foster new hams and do... Uh, do testing and, and those kind of things. That really makes it very cool because that really, um, that's what we need. We need we need growth yeah. in the hobby. we got a lot of new people coming in, but we still need the more the merrier, you know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the, absolutely. The more of us, the more of us there are, the, the better chance we have at getting our way, you know. <laughs> well, that, well, that's true, too. But uh, it, it, uh, it just adds more people to get to meet and learn from. And uh, uh, quite honestly, that's what it's all about for me. I just had a, a note handed me here. Of course, you know, this technology stuff runs away from me at times, too. It says go to our website uh, at com, and also it says join us on Twitter, twitter.com Show. So evidently um, they've got something going on here that, uh, <laughs> that I wasn't aware. Are, are you active on Twitter at all? I, I quite honestly, I'm not. No, I have to admit I'm not into that quite yet. But uh, I did see your website, though. You'll, you'll probably wind up there. I think we all wind up in these places. You know, we don't know what oh, they yeah. are. We don't understand yep. it. But then the next thing you know, we wake up one day and we're there. You know. So. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, listen, probably. I thank you so much for calling. Good hearing from you tonight. Well, you, thank you very much for taking the call. And you and, and you have a good evening. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye now. Give us a call now at 615-547-9520 and share with a huge global radio audience. That's 615-547-9520. And now, back to the QSO Radio Show with Ted Randall. Well, we're back, and we want to thank you for participating in this radio show and calling us and... uh, giving us all the signal reports. Matter of fact, I've got someone on the line right now, and who am I speaking with? Well, hi, Ted. This is Dan Hensley, KC9NCF here. Also, uh, Media Network Plus over at PCJ Radio and Shortwave America. I've been uh, a fan of the show for a little while, and I've listened to a few of your episodes, and I know I posted them up at Shortwave America from time to time, and you're in my audio news section over there, and it's nice to hear you on WTWW. Well, t- tell me a little bit about PCJ. I'm not familiar with this. Why don't you talk to me about that and tell me the tell the, the radio audience, too. Well, PCJ has been around for a long, long time. Uh, I believe it goes back to the 1920s, and um, we have shows today such as the Kelly Alexander Show, the Classic Media Network, show with uh, Jonathan Marks. Um, we've got the Nash Hollow show with Paulette McQuarrie, and Paulette also co-hosts uh, Media Network Plus over there. And Media Network Plus focuses on shortwave broadcasting and uh, other items of uh, interest with radio, and so that's, um, that's the content of our show over there, and 
I know uh, our next show that uh, actually should have aired, I believe, this evening on the XM Radio Network and a few other satellite stations as well as Shortwave was talking about the uh, her, uh, the uh, what was the earthquake out in uh, the Philippines recently and how radio amateurs were dealing with that. Well, that's interesting. Now, uh, what are, what are you listening on right now? Well, actually, I'm listening via the internet. I don't have access to my radio at the moment. Uh oh, you're you're, che- you're so. cheating. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, that's what I have available to me at, at this moment. So I thought I would uh, call in and say hello and tell you it's nice to hear you guys out here. Well, you know what's interesting though is is uh, I we have a, a a large number of people that listen on shortwave, and then when they for some reason you know the the radio. They don't have the radio or the propagation for some reason has gone haywire. They go online and listen online. But then I find those same people are back to the radio, and it kind of goes back and forth. It's it's a it's kind of a, I guess I want to say, a strange mix. I think the, what happens is, though, is folks really love listening over the air. I mean, I think they really prefer that, and they do it when they can. But then they don't want to miss a broadcast of something that they really like, so they'll go online and listen then. So it's... Uh, and then we have those folks that are online that discover shortwave. Now, that's a phenomena that I never thought I would see. But people will listen online and say, wow, I went out and I bought a shortwave radio. We get the, the emails in and they'll say, this is absolutely incredible. You know, <laughs> you, you, know you wouldn't think that, but that's the way it works. It's, uh, that's just the way it is. Um, well, tell me a little bit about your, your um I guess I want to say your career in radio and and what got you interested and started in all this. Well, my uncle, who is from downstate Illinois, who's a silent key, as of the early or mid-80s, his call sign was WB9ODM. I remembered it as WB9 Old Dear Mary. And um, his name was Bill. Uh, He was active down there. I think he was a member of LEARC. Uh, L-E-A-R-C, down in southern Illinois. And uh, he was also an electronics uh, technician who worked with Zenith. And um, then my dad is out here. He is a radio amateur. And uh, I got my technician license back in December of 2006 and then got my general class license in 2008 out in California. And it was that same year in 2008 when I started up Shortwave America and then got discovered by Keith Perron out there at PCJ in Taipei, Taiwan. And I've been working with him ever since. And uh, Shortwave America has seen some new audio episodes uh, develop. I started uh, my program with uh, an interview talking about the relationship between Christian music artists and the Christian music broadcasting industry. And that was with Jerry Bryant and uh, CCM Hall of Famer Randy Stonehill. And then Paulette McQuarrie and I uh, did a show that is coming in different episode pieces ranging between 30 and 44 minutes long about 30 years of spatial communications history to sort of celebrate the end in the era of space shuttle uh, missions. So that's uh, something I'm still working on, and uh, I'm just loving radio, really. Well, now, Keith, um, 
Here's what I remember. I remember Keith starting or re, restarting, I guess is the best way to put it, uh, a, a radio program that aired years ago called The Happy Station. That's correct, and actually that's where I started with PCJ. I was on The Happy Station a couple of times, and Keith then joined Shortwave America with me, and so he did re sort of resurrect that program, and it remains as popular as ever, and he's doing some new things with it uh, as far as, you know, there's a new show every week, and and all that. Plus, he's producing Media Network Plus, and he's he's developing PCJ as a station. And last year, I know he announced that we are really working on forming a new shortwave broadcast international service to help sort of fill the air after the loss of all the shortwave stations we've seen over the last two, three years. And, and, and it was really weird, I think. And that is, there is no loss in shortwave listeners. You know, some of the broadcasters yeah. have gone away, but the listeners, the the audience is bigger now than it ever has been. And, and you know, Keith just recently sort of made that comment, and um, so we were talking about how it, it's interesting that these decisions are being made to shut these stations down when the listenership is out here and it's growing in shortwave receivers with or without SSB coverage, are available all over the place. And there, there's all these new radios coming out. TechSun just came out with a radio that's compatible with, with the iPod now. Well, it's interesting you said that because you know who's making those decisions, don't you? Those are oh, governments. It's, it's governments, you know. And, of course, we all know how that goes, you know. If you let the government make a decision, you know what that decision's going to be. But um, Texan Radio Company over there in Beijing, uh, I thought it was a misprint. When I was reading, it says that they manufacture close to 30,000 30, multiband radios per day. They supply every Radio Shack store in the United States of America and every Radio Shack store. I don't care how small a city you go into. They've got four, five models of shortwave radios, and they're not bad. For between $50 and $100, you can pick up a radio that's pretty decent. And and they don't carry that stuff. They don't keep it in stock unless it's selling. And I think one of the reasons why it's selling is this. I think people are intrigued with radio, and I think they're bored to tears with AM and FM programming in their local cities. And sometimes shortwave doesn't have a whole lot more in terms of programming, but you can pick up distant stations, you can hear newscasts, and and upon occasion you pick up a show like this, you know, which is kind of an oasis. And uh, you know... Your, your show really is a fresh approach to radio and mixing shortwave and amateur radio together. And I think that's why you're getting all the support you're getting, really. And besides the fact that you're an experienced person yourself. And so what happens is, you know, we've had shows in the past such as DX Jukebox and, and uh, who knows how many other shows out here that, that dealt with shortwave listening and amateur radio and the like and, and DXing. But... Uh, you know, who's still out here is Arnie Coro with his show, and everybody's just gotten sick of him because, you know, he owns Radio Havana, Cuba, and uh, 
I, I think we're all aware of the decades-old sort of war of words between him and Glenn Hauser. And I know Mia Keith picked on that issue a couple of times. And uh, word got back to me that Arnie got so mad at us for the last parody we did, he was almost obsessed with us. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you something. The, uh, I think the world's foremost expert on, uh, on shortwave radio has got to be Glenn Hauser. Uh, World of Radio is, is a phenomenal program. And, folks, I think it's one of the most overlooked programs because, face it, I mean, he doesn't work with some sort of a high-power budget. He doesn't have all kinds of money to promote it. But, I mean, it that thing is solid. Now, we just put a brand-new stream up on our website on qsoradioshow.com. It's, um, and it's, it's QSO is what it is. We play all of the old episodes and all the old podcasts. But throughout the day, about every three hours, we play World of Radio with Glenn Hauser. And we also play Amateur Radio Newsline, which is Bill Pasternak's... Uh, production and uh, uh jim davis and all those guys that, that put that thing and that's a phenomenal program for for hams so we run that all day long and we also run the stream so if you've got some things that you want to run up there just you know because we're what we're looking at is just it's we just want something interesting you know so, <laughs> something something that doesn't just bore you to tears listening to and uh, oh, absolutely yeah i love glenn's production and he's a great guy i've exchanged a couple of emails with him in the past and He's great with the public, but um, you know, I think uh, I think his show is still going to grow and be around for quite a while. He's doing a great job with it. I just so can't I, figure out how he comes up with all the information. I mean, he just has this an abundance of uh, of information there all the time. And you know, if you if you've got a radio and you're looking for, you know, you're looking to to listen to something new or discover something, all you got to do is listen to World of Radio. He's <laughs> He'll give you an agenda for the next three weeks, you know, to keep you busy. So, well, I listen. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a combination of his listeners and the volunteers that come forth with information and the time he spends doing his own research and sitting by the radio and all that. But uh, hey, uh, it's been good to be here with you. Keep up the great work here at the show, and um, you know, those who want to uh, visit Shortwave America, go on over to shortwaveamerica.blogspot.com. Or you can go over to pcjmedia.com forward slash media network plus and give us a listen there. And uh, hey, 73s and 88s were applicable. All right. Well, thank you for calling. We appreciate hearing from you. Give us a call now at 615 547 9520 and share with a huge global radio audience. 615-547-9520. And now, back to the QSO Radio Show with Ted Randall. Be sure and uh, send us an email and put on that email, I want to win. And you can do that by just simply going to the website, and that is qsoradioshow.com. qsoradioshow.com. And they're also handing me this note that says, join us on Twitter, twitter.com slash show. And um, we'd love we'd love to hear from you. So, um, on the phone with me now, I have a uh, WTWW transmitter engineer. Hello there. Hey Ted, Dave yeah. KU4B. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. All right, very good. Now this is a fellow that keeps 
you know, arms and legs actually inside the transmitter rather than outside the yeah, transmitter. You're, you're optimistic there. <laughs> Sometimes we just splatter so, what you hit. How are, how are things going out there tonight? I'm going pretty good. Pretty good. We, we found a couple of surprises, but, you know, when you fire up one of these beasts, you never know what's going to blow up. Well, I was explaining uh, earlier that is that the, the the shortwave radio transmitter, unlike a lot of other types of transmitters, maybe I I don't know because of the fact they have to change frequencies, are a mass of mechanical things that go on. You have absolutely true electric motors, gears, uh, and of course that all requires you know lubrication and. When a motor kicks on, it's only got to turn so many turns, and then something has to shut it off, and it's uh, and you got this going through an entire uh, system. And I don't know what's the length, the average length of one of the cabinets of a shortwave transmitter. What would you say the? Oh an- gosh, um, I would say these things are probably about eighteen feet long mm-hmm. and a little over six feet deep. And that does not include the modulator, which is a completely different caged-in area. That's about uh, 10 or 12 feet by uh, close to 20 or so. I can just give you an example. Now, you can walk around inside the modulator section on these oh, transmitters. Yeah, and if you, if you go up to the website, which is www.us, uh, I don't know which video it is. If you go to transmitters, you'll see my son David. Uh, KG4WXW walking around on the inside of that modulator section <laughs> while George is very bravely standing on the outside with the radio in his hand. <laughs> now, you know, what I thought I would do tonight is I thought this might be my only chance to get a full membership in the alligator's net. I'm slightly off frequency, but otherwise I think I've got them beat. No receiver at all and about a megawatt or so ERP. There you go. Well, I was going to say, the, and you know what's scary is those transmitters will tune. You you can put them where you want them. If yes, if, <laughs> boy, they'll they'll go pretty much anywhere in the shortwave spectrum. So, uh, but it's expensive. Don't tell anybody at the FCC, but it is possible. They uh, th- that would make for a very very expensive QSO. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't think anybody else would want to pay that much for their amplifier. Well, you know, you're active here in uh, the Nashville area, sure, with a bunch of different uh, different things. Tell tell the folks a little bit about your activity as far as amateur radio is concerned. Oh, with, gosh, what... uh, well, there's there's some things that I haven't had much of a chance to participate in for a while, but um, an awful lot that I've had my finger into before. We've got a very extensive uh, repeater system. Uh, including some for watching the uh, weather situation. Uh, let's see, mtears.net, mtears.net is one of them. And uh, there's some other sites that are out there for the local amateur radio emergency services groups. And, oh, there's all types of other stuff. I don't have it active at the moment, but we've got a pretty active group around here that uh, uses the APRS system so we can actually track where people are as they're out driving around. Uh, Quite often, if if we're out storm spotting or something, we'll use that to be able to watch where the people actually are and lay that over a map that shows where the uh, radar says that we have tornadoes and or 
severe weather happening. So, well, you know, I, I guess uh, several times we've had very severe weather here. Uh, we've had some tornadoes and whatnot in the Middle Tennessee area. And I know you were involved in going out and doing assessment on those things. Why don't you, for the folks that don't know about this, why don't you tell them a little about what is involved in that? Well, there's actually a number of different uh, approaches to that. Uh, I've actually been the one that called in some of these tornadoes when they hit the ground before. And uh, a little old history, that happened once when I was going out to one of our transmitter sites that you're very familiar with. And, you know, I, I heard the thing go off the air, so I turned around to go back and look, looked up and over, you know, off to my left, there were trees going around in circles up in the air. And at that point, of course, I knew I was in trouble. I picked up the mic and told a few other people that, uh, you know, it was on the ground and working, told them where it was. And uh, at the time, it was the first confirmation that I'm aware of that the Weather Service had that it was actually a tornado in progress. Now, after the fact, uh, quite often we'll have some people that'll go and uh, help out with pulling people out of the rubble and or cutting through the brush and the stuff to help get them out of there. So there's uh, there's a lot of different things that these guys do, and uh, not unusual for a number of them to go and help the Red Cross with doing damage assessments after such things. Well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, the immediacy of the weather situation, it's, it's amazing. I, I will tune in and listen to a weather net um, right here, I mean, locally here in town. And um, you're hearing the guys out, the storm spotters that are out there. These are amateur radio operators, have radios in their cars or HTs or wherever they're at. And they're talking about, well, we've got a funnel cloud here or we've, you know, and, and they'll, they'll describe something. Or, or flooding is a good example. They'll say, we have flooding over here. It's, it's across the roads, this deep and all. And within a matter of, oh, I would say 10 minutes at the very most, it's going across the, the crawl on my television set. Sure. And it's well, the exact wording that the, the amateur used. So you know that he reported, describe that system. Okay, the amateur reports it to who, and then how does it wind up on that television screen? Well, I think there's a, a number of ways that happens. Sometimes you'll find that you'll have people listening to scanners uh, in the different radio and TV stations and, you know, taking the stuff off the <laughs> right off the scanner. But more often than not, somebody will report it to somebody else on that's a, a net control station. And what they will do is they will take that message and they'll put it over the M-Tiers network, which goes actually... Uh, uh, in, in times of really nasty weather, we'll send somebody over to monitor the MTIRS network over to the Weather Service. And, of course, it's a completely volunteer thing, but if they lose telephone access, which has happened before, uh, we still have that network up and running. And that way they can still get some live reports even if they basically lose communication with most everything outside of their uh, building there. Oh, I see. That's what's uh, what's so amazing, you know, about amateur radio. And a lot of times, there really isn't anything earth-shattering that amateurs do during a disaster. So, a lot of times, they get involved in taking uh, water to people that need water, or they take uh, foodstuffs, or deliver meals on wheels. I mean, 
they'll uh, i mean there's a there's a big thing i know there's a lot of guys that just live for uh doing the um the public service with bikeathons and yep. uh running marathons they're out there with their hts and watching over things and these are things of course the the local police departments they just you know, they can't they don't have the time to deal with it you know they they have, they're busy with un- understaffed and overworked as it is, you know. So here, you know, here here comes the amateur radio community. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that most people are not aware of that these guys do. And one of the things that I always thought was kind of neat, and I, I don't show up there too terribly often, but I have been up on uh, the Maritime Mobile Service Network every now and then, and there's a number of times that we'll have somebody out on the water somewhere in the Caribbean or you know, out in the Atlantic or the Pacific, and for whatever reason, their other equipment may fail, and they know that if they can get on that particular frequency, they stand a good chance of somebody somewhere being able to hear them and relay in the word that they need a hand. Now, many years ago, and uh, I don't remember the exact date anymore because this has been a long time ago, but we had a a, uh, storm that was moving through the uh, Caribbean, and we were already making plans to have somebody on the air late at night, which normally isn't done. I mean, that, that net normally doesn't have anybody running really late at night. So I, I went ahead and volunteered and actually went over to a friend's house and did the midnight to 8 a.m. shift. By the time the shift was over, I had 12 ships that were in tow by the Coast Guard, and we had one more that we heard and we had copied down the message. The message was in Morse code, but we didn't understand what it was until several hours later. And the problem was, even though we had decoded it, it was in another language. And as it turns out, the message was in Portuguese, but it wasn't until several hours after uh, I'd finished with the shift that we finally figured that the message was basically, send help, engines dead, Battery dying, taking on water, and then they gave their coordinates. So you know, you you hear a lot of people think all oh, this this Morse code stuff just nobody's using it anymore. But the the reality is that that stuff is still in use every day. It's just that most people don't realize that it's actually in very active use. That's a very the simplest form of communication, you know. But you have to know it. <laughs> the well, problem. the nice thing is with Morse code. All you really need is a way to key the transmitter on and off the air, and which makes it very simple. If your microphone breaks, doesn't matter. You can still get a message through if you know how to do it. Well, there you go. Well, listen, I want to thank you for, for joining us and, and, and calling in. And, yeah, thank uh, you. It's been really interesting tonight. You've had quite a number of callers. Oh, well, hopefully hey, we're, we're, we're going to have quite a few more. So you've got... You just you just keep feeding the mice in the cage out there. It's something like that. I've I've, I've had a few that have misbehaved, but uh, I'm I'm hoping I'll be able to get them out of the cage before too long. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for calling. We appreciate. Talk to you a little later. All right. This is WTWW, and this is only a test, and you're listening on frequency 5085 kilohertz. 
You are invited to share the magic of HF Broadcasting and Amateur Radio to a worldwide listening audience. Welcome. This is the QSO Radio Show. Give us a call now at 615-547-9520 and share with a huge global radio audience. That's 615-547-9520. And now, the QSO Radio Show with Ted Randall. I want to remind you that you can uh, find us not just at the website, which is qsoradioshow.com, but you can find us on Facebook, QSO Radio Show on Facebook, and also at uh, twitter.com, twitter.com forward slash QSO Radio Show. I, I have to get all these commercials in here. I'm being admonished that I have to do these things. <laughs> and who do we have on the phone with us here? Uh, Tom. Tom, and where where are you located, Tom? I am located in Sumner, Iowa. Sumner, Iowa. Goodness. Yes. And uh, coming in loud, coming in loud and clear in the big city today. So we got we got a good signal in Sumner, Iowa. Well, tell me a little yeah. bit about your ham radio career or your shortwave uh, listening hobby. I'm sure it's one of the well, two. Well, I'm not into ham, but I have been listening to shortwave for quite a few years back in the day when that all went, all the way back to when uh, WRNO went on the air. You know, and uh, stuff like that. And uh, so I've been really fascinated. Of course, I listened to KUSW when they were on the air, but neither one of them are, you know, you can't really have a rock format any nowadays. Um, you know, with uh, Showwave, you got to have some other means of uh, of money, you know, because that transmitter doesn't come for, che- come for cheap. I know that. So. <laughs> no, the, so. the, the electric bill is what was amazing, oh, you know. Oh. Yeah, you, I was you, just wondering, did they... Does the FCC still have a spectrum usage fee? Because I remember that was kind of like the downfall of uh, of Salt uh, Lake City was uh, their spectrum usage fee. They actually had to pay to use that frequency. You know, I, I don't, don't know. I, I don't know. That would be a George question. We'll have him. Yeah. He, he's going to be back on in a little George. bit. Write we'll that ha- down and ask George about it. <laughs> we'll have to. Ask. Kinda, yeah, because I think that's probably one of the big big reasons why commercial shortwave really did take off. I mean, um, God bless his soul, Joel Costello, he did a heck of a job putting WRNO on the air in the years that was on the air. I mean, uh, I'll I'll tell you what I think, my opinion. You want want to know what that is? (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh, WRNO played a lot of interesting music. They did a lot of interesting things. Um, And unfortunately, uh, it's like an old guy we used to know here in Nashville by the name of Everett Lawson who is the transmitter engineer for WSM. And Everett used to have this saying, and the saying was, it costs a lot of money to talk on the radio. You know, every time they want to do something, and they, well, is it going to cost that much? Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, is that there's nothing inexpensive about a shortwave radio station. And the reason why is the parts are so big. The power level is so high. I mean, you're yeah. looking at double and triple the power level of any commercial station that you would have in in your local area. So you know everything is everything is bigger. The electric meter spins, you know, a whole lot faster round and round and round. It's like George was talking. I asked him, and he said, you know, the typical electric bill on a transmitter the size of the one that we're on right now can be ten thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. You know, so you've got you've, you know you got to pay the bills. The the thing that I, the, well, I was going to say, my opinion, I think that if more commercial businesses 
decided that they were going to use shortwave radio to advertise products on, I think they would be absolutely, totally, completely baffled at the incredible response that they would get. And the reason why is because shortwave listeners listen. You know, they're not passive listeners. This is not, they don't have the radio on as a background music device. Well, I'm sure some folks probably do that. But, I mean, they actually listen to what's going on over the air. And they're responsive. They're intelligent. And a lot of them uh, have have a little bit more education than average. And I think they have higher IQs than AM, FM listeners. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, it, and it's, it's really, you know, you think about it, it's really amazing that some some of the larger corporations at market have not turned to shortwave yeah. uh, to to market products. Because I, I, I know for a fact, just with our little radio show, that we've done what sponsors and people we've put on the air that were there ba- basically just to pay for airtime, they were overwhelmed with results. And um, so that, anyways, so I think that would really, that would open a door. That would open a door for a lot more creative broadcasting. But somebody has to pay the bill. I mean, it just, yeah. that's the Well, that's why I think... I think that's why a lot there's. I mean, people say that there's all they hear all they hear around here nowadays are religious broadcasting. Well, for one reason, is religious. A lot of the a lot of the, the ministries or whatever that they know that that transmitter's got that much power and it's got that reach that you can't get from you know buying time on a a little dinky station in another country. They know that signal's going to be getting to uh, Africa or wherever it's pointed at or whatever. That's why it's got so much more appeal. I mean, I mean, we got a big fifty thousand watt blowtorch here in Iowa called KXDL just down the road, Waterloo. That's why a lot of ones use that because they got a, a kick, you know, pretty good, you know, signal out. But um, that's why, uh, you know, your transmitter number one or whatever. That's why um, the um, oh, I can't think of his name. What's the guy's name on number one? Uh, well, he's gone now. But uh, Peter Peters, uh, Pastor Peters, yeah. 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 Pastor Peters, yeah, yeah, God rest his soul. Um, um, he he even knew that there was a lot of there was a you know there was a market there. He knew he could patch into because most to tell you the truth, most radio stations around here wouldn't carry him because of his you know his beliefs and stuff like that. You know, and that's why old brother Stair is doing so big. You know, on uh, your competition just down the road. You know, I mentioned the call letters, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, I, I've had a, I've had a couple of conversations with uh, I had a couple of conversations with uh, with Brother Stair, and he says I always I always get results on shortwave radio. Oh yeah, and we and I and I've talked to him and a couple times. He said, you know, shortwave radio has been really good to me. Uh, someone else that has had tremendous results on shortwave radio. Matter of fact, <laughs> I took him the very first shortwave radio. Oh boy, and got kind of got the gave him the bug and that was a dr eugene scott one of the most interesting yeah oh I- eugene scott man that dr scott man um i saw him for the first time my friend i was i was just when i was um just down the road they had first people to have cable tv and to hear, see somebody preach the gospel smoking a big old cigar <laughs> that was the most hilarious thing i've ever seen in my life you know but the thing of it is a man was a genius he, he was he was very genius and he Actually, reached a lot of reached a lot of people that normally would not be reached yeah. because you know, I I I I knew him personally and uh, he he was the real deal. I mean, he really was. Yeah. I mean, he didn't put on airs. He was a real deal. 
but um, yeah. you could get yeah. lost in his teaching. You could listen to him for hours and hours, you know, and yeah. uh, and well, every... him and uh, this other guy or whatever that was like a his uh, friend or whatever that um, uh, Fuller, not Fuller, yeah, it's, uh, Fuller or whatever his name is. Mm. Uh, Doctor Fulcher or whatever his name is. Not not He's not familiar on... with him. I'm not not familiar with that fellow. And no. the name the name and the name escapes me right off the bat, but. Truth House Ministries or whatever. Anyway, he he was kind of in. Uh, he was he was friends with uh, Doctor Scott, and he's on. Um, at least uh, I think he's on the on the blowtorch just down the road from you, and uh, I think he was on that other one. There's two of them that he he was kind of turned on by that. So, but uh, well, the thing that I uh, think he, makes it uh, you know the the stations the shortwave radio stations uh, have to maintain. Um, their power levels. In other words, uh, yeah. they they have to keep their power level, um, you know, up to what they claim it is. And other, yeah. otherwise, what happens is it gets, uh, um, you know, it gets disappointing to the ministry or the business or the audience when they're operating at lower than the normal power levels. And I know that that I think has hurt a lot of. Uh, a lot of shortwave stations, and a lot of them do that. They cut back because they have such a, a rough time um, meeting expenses, you know. Yeah. And that's one thing I, I really liked. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, talk about George here and get him all wound up. But, but that's one thing George has insisted on, uh, and that is to keep the power levels of these radio stations. The one that he's, if they're in his care, custody, and control, the power is all the way to the top all yeah. the time. It never, yeah, he, never wanes. And I know he don't, I mean, I know when he worked at uh, your uh, friends down the road or whatever, he had those, he had those transmitters, you know, full bore and everything like that. So. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, you and you can and, tell this one here, this this station here is uh, the signal, the signal reports that come in off this thing are just absolutely uh-huh. incredible. Also, I want to I mention something here. They just handed this to me. They said, uh, Randy, uh, KB9POI in Wisconsin is listening using an FT-847, and also Mike Marlowe in Liberty, Missouri. These uh, these folks are checking in, I guess, via Facebook. We've got um, uh, Matt and everybody out in the other room in here, I guess, they're into the, the, the you know, Facebook and Twitter, you know. So. <laughs> and so we, and I'm supposed to tell you, go to Facebook and check us out there, and also on Twitter.com at QSO Radio Show. Um, and they, they'd appreciate hearing from you up there if you want to send us an email. By the way, if you're checking in by means of email, and, and even if you call in, send us an email and put on that email, I want to win, you can do that by going to qsoradioshow.com. Well, listen, I want to say thank you so much for calling. Uh, appreciate hearing no from you. And uh, you keep, well, keep listening. Up good work. And uh, tell George that he's doing a good service. You know, I know he's. I mean, he's even got plans for a number five, a number four, whatever. So, and I'll listen to that baby too. So, well, I'm, a, absolutely. Now, there's only one George McClintock. Let me just tell you that. Uh, he's he's uh, done a really good job, and I'm really appreciative that uh, when he got when uh, Glenn Hauser got dropped by your uh, friends down the road, or he 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 picked up the ball or whatever, and uh, and uh, helped out George or helped him up. And actually, you guys have got a back heck of a lot better signal up this way than. Um, them anyway, so. I don't well, Glenn, know, Glenn Hauser's program is an asset to any. Oh, I I remember him back. At, like I said, he got his start on WRNO and and uh, you know, like I said, 
world and all. Um, uh, God rest his soul, Joe Costello, he did a heck of a job, you know, trying to did his radio station or whatever and stuff like that. And he gave George, or give uh, Glenn a good uh, shout-out and everything like that. And then he moved over to uh, the, the CR or whatever, and then he got on to your station. So I'm really, uh, like I said, I appreciate George uh, doing that stuff for him, so... I know I'm pretty sure Glenn really appreciates George, too. So, Well, sir, I th- thank you for calling and hope to talk yep. to you again soon down the line somewhere. So, all righty. Well, um, um, do you know an exact date when this one's going to be uh, permanent? or do they, is that uh, Not really, but very soon. <laughs> very soon. Okay. Well, I do everything. Give us a call now at 615-547-9520 and share with a huge global radio audience. That's 615-547-9520. And now, back to the QSO Radio Show with Ted Randall. want to remind you to uh, join us on, uh, on Facebook as well as Twitter.com. The Twitter.com QSO Radio Show. And uh, also on Facebook. On Facebook, go to the QSO Radio Show. When you're writing us, so do send on your email. Make sure you make a little note that says, I want to win, because we have uh, giveaways that we do. And we've got someone on the phone with us. Hello there. How are you? Well, I'm doing fine, Ted. This is Craig Cochran calling from Central Oklahoma. You're in Central Oklahoma. What city are you near? Well, not too far from Oklahoma City, probably about 35 miles southeast of Oklahoma City. All right. How how do we sound in Oklahoma? Oh, you sound great. Uh, I started listening at four uh, a.m. or four p.m. rather this afternoon at nine 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 zero, and you were booming in, and you still have a, a pretty decent signal uh, on this five point zero eight five frequency. So you, you you heard our shaky start. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did. <laughs> trying to get on, I was like, oh boy, and I don't know. Always something, always something. Who was it used to say that? What's her name off Saturday Night Live? She used to say, oh, I don't know. It's <laughs> always something. Uh, anyhow, you know, I, I just really enjoy listening to shortwave radio, and I, I've been listening avidly for a couple of years now, and I listen to these uh, uh, talk show broadcasts that uh, mainly originate from, you know, about 30 miles to the west of you, <laughs> from WWCR. But I hear things that I just have never heard on uh, your mainstream uh, AM radio. Oh, no, you won't. You will not hear uh, the things on mainstream radio that you hear on shortwave. Absolutely not. And so, you know, almost all day long I'm, I'm tuned in if I'm able, and most of my listening is done in the car. I think I've, I told you last time I called in when you were testing that I've developed a, uh, an antenna, a mag mount antenna, that uh, receive shortwave radio, and you use your little portable radio in the car, and uh, it just it just works great. And if I may, I'd like to direct people to my website because I've got a, a shortwave radio website dedicated to a lot of information about shortwave, and that's uh, wavecatcher.us. Wavecatcher.us, and there's a lot of great information, uh, especially for people that might be new to shortwave. Well, I was just saying, we have a lot of folks that discover us uh, off of the web, you know, by just simply on, on Google. Um, then they happen on the stream. And we have a 24-hour-a-day stream running now 
uh, up there, which is basically the QSO radio show, Glenn Hauser's World of Radio, and Bill Pasternak's uh, This Week in Amateur Radio, or Amateur Radio Newsline. There used to be a program called This Week in Amateur Radio, but I don't know, hopefully, hopefully they'll come back at some point. Mm-hmm. But Amateur Radio Newsline is... Um, these are excellent shows. I mean, Glenn Hauser's, of course, is incredible, and I get I I, I really enjoy listening to him. Um, but anyways, uh, they they discover shortwave by means of the internet, you know, and then we get these emails where they talk about how cool shortwave is. They just got their their new um, Grundig or Eton or C Crane radio, and they're just you know totally blown away by it. Didn't have any idea this even existed. Oh, that's exactly right. I think the average American has no concept whatsoever of what shortwave is all about. And uh, I think they, they need to know because there's so much good information on shortwave. Well, it's like I said you know earlier, uh, and that is every Radio Shack store in the United States of America, I don't care how small of a town you go to, as a rule will have at least four, maybe five models of uh, portable shortwave radios. And these radios... That's amazing. I, I think about uh, the old um, Gruno that I had when I was a kid, which was a tabletop radio full of tubes. And um, then I, I think of some of the other receivers I've had, which were basically just AM, uh, but they had shortwave bands on them. These things were monsters. I mean, they were tabletop challenges. I mean, you put them on a table, you better have some strong legs on the table. <laughs> and now and now these, these small radios uh, have... Just as much capability as those old rigs did. Oh yeah, and a hundred memory channels to boot. You know, and and they, you can hold them in your hand. And some of them, I, I I know, I was talking to George, and George says some of them you put an antenna on them and you overload the front end. So <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. okay, you know. And I've experienced that as well. Uh, I guess it's important if you're going to listen to a certain station to have an antenna that's resonant in that band and that way you don't have a lot of those other stations that might uh, overload and come in that, that 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 is true well now let me ask you this question tell me a little bit about your your uh, amateur radio career and uh, what got you started in it and what are your interests in, in amateur radio well i got licensed in 1979 and just before then i was attending bob jones university in greenville south carolina and one of my friends said, hey, let me show you what I've got here in my car. And he had just a basic two-meter rig, and he dialed in a repeater up in Asheville, North Carolina, probably some 40 or 50 miles away, and had a, a quick QSO with a, a fellow that he'd never met. And I just thought that was marvelous. So I went out and, and got my license, and since that time I've uh, gotten married, and my wife is licensed. My five children, which are right here uh, in the home with me right now, uh, are all licensed, including my son David, who's 14. He just got his call, KF5NZI, and my daughter, Susan, who's 15, just got her call, KF5NZL. So uh, we're, we're 100% ham radio operators now. Well, you're doing the right stuff. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going down the right road, let me tell you. And, Ted, it used to be that we would keep in communication uh, by ham radio locally as uh, the family drove around and we went various places. Uh, Since most of my kids have cell phones now, that's uh, kind of 
gone out, but I, I still enjoy working uh, repeaters and, and talking simplex. And I think I'm like you. I like to not just say, well, you know, my name is this and my call is this and here's my, my rig model and I'm using this antenna. I like to really have a conversation and talk to people about things that are important to me and things that are important to the other guy as well. Well, I, I think, too, it's like I, I was telling about Nelson Cosby, the fellow up in Dearborn, he used to say he, he asked everybody what their occupation was. Um, you'd be amazed when you're talking to someone, if you do ask questions, uh, what you will find out. You, know, you find out you, you have no idea who you're talking to. If you're just exchanging call signs, signal strength, and QTH, you know, you're, you're missing the good stuff. Absolutely. So, Let me ask you a quick question. I know you, you've got other people that are calling in. Uh, how often do you produce a brand-new QSO show? I listen to uh, 9480, uh, the WTWW, the other frequency, and hear your show, but a lot of times it seems like I'm hearing old, old shows or repeats. <laughs> you're hearing a repeat, yeah. Um, now, you see, you're not supposed to ask that question, okay? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that's a question you're not supposed to ask. Uh, we went through a period of time where we were not producing new shows. Uh, one of the reasons why is because the bandwidth uh, on the podcast side of it was just getting astronomical. We could get as many as 150. I mean, this is true. On uh, a month, 150,000 downloads Wow! on that site. And um, But we have started back up again. And you'll notice now that the... Um, the radio shows on WTWW will be different as well as you'll see more stuff up on iTunes and on the podcast. Uh, the other thing, too, is we would get an overwhelming number of requests for an old show. Someone would write in and say, would you please? And I, I guess evidently they, they, they can't download off iTunes or something. I don't know. But they would ask us, would you please air uh, the show with, uh, with Wayne Green? Would you please, Ronnie Millsap? Right, Millsap. Oh gosh, you talk about requests for, for repeating those shows, and uh, I hate not to do that. But then, by the same token, I, I I hate, you know, not putting up new, you know, brand new stuff all the time. But I think you'll see a trend now where we're going to be doing a whole lot more new stuff. Uh, will we'll be going up, and uh, and and to be honest with you, we are we're you know we're kind of seeking some sponsorship to help out with the bandwidth charges and stuff because it gets really it's like the shortwave electric bills you know <laughs> get, oh, sure yeah, they, get, they get through the roof and all well if i if i may let me ask another question tell me what does ted randall do from day to day what are are your activities and your uh your work um i'm a troll and i live under a bridge <laughs> in uh I'm, I'm a radio engineer i am a radio engineer matter of fact the whole family is in radio engineering and uh, I, I work for a group of stations here in Nashville. Uh, actually, it's the Cromwell Radio Group. And then my, uh, my, my sons are both engineers. Uh, uh, Matt is chief engineer for the Dave Ramsey Show. David is chief engineer for Trevecca Nazarene University. And the lady I'm married to is also an engineer, uh, works with me at the Cromwell Group. So we, we're, we're a whole group of folks that, um, that do radio engineering. On a full time basis, <laughs> and do you do you do much much uh, on the air work? 
No, actually, I don't do any on-the-air work other than on 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 shortwave and producing the the QSO show. Now we were doing some stuff on Saturday nights. We had a love song show was airing, which had an incredible amount of response to it, and people were. <laughs> We we get overloaded with uh, with uh, emails. I've actually seen 500 emails come in on the first hour of wow. that thing, and it was all basically uh, amateur and, and shortwave people, shortwave listeners, amateur radio operators that were that were listening to this thing, and uh, which only I think goes to prove the fact that people really they they're looking for something different to listen to, and it was basically all requests and dedications, and it was all uh, basically uh, you know love songs. And uh, boy, we had a lot. We had a lot of fun with that. A lot of fun with that. Um, so anyhow, um, in Oklahoma, where you're located, uh, tell me a little bit about maybe a local club that you may be uh, involved in, or if there's one in your area that you know about. Oh sure, uh, there is the South Canadian Amateur Radio Society, which is the Norman, Oklahoma club. And they have, of course, monthly meetings, and they have field day that they uh, participate in. And I, I've been a member uh, for various periods. I'm not active right now, but it's something that I, I really want to get back into. However, I live out in a rural area, and uh, it, it's hard to get out of bed and take a 45-minute a drive on Saturday morning when... It'd be so much nicer just to get a, another hour or so of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, you know, being out in the sticks does kind of take away from being involved in uh, in a local club. But uh, that's where amateur radio really shines because you, you've got friends that you talk to. Uh, you know, look, for example, 80-meter band at night. I mean, you got a whole, you, you get into a round table, and those folks are there every night. You know, they're every night. You get to be friends with them. and uh, yeah. It's uh, 40 meters is a lot the same way. So, well, listen, thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate you uh, you calling in and talking with us and hope I'll have a chance to meet up with you again sometime, maybe on the air. That'd be great. And I just want to say I love these uh, this-is-a-test-type shows. You do a great <laughs> job, and so I'll continue listening. All righty. Thank you very much. And, of course, this is only a test. <laughs> Give us a call now at 615-547-9520 and share with a huge global radio audience. That's 615-547-9520. And now, back to the QSO Radio Show with Ted Randall. Uh, be sure and join us on uh, on Facebook. Go up to Facebook and uh, check out QSORadioShow.com and on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash QSO Radio Show. And, of course, our website is just simply QSORadioShow.com. An email is put on the email you want to win. And with me on the telephone, coming from a long, long distance away, I have uh, I have Tom. How you doing? Doing very well tonight, Ted. Just uh, enjoying your show. Making a joke out of it because he just lives down the road from me, but he is listening. And uh, he's uh, he's a good ham buddy and a uh, member of uh, the local uh, Lebanon Amateur Radio uh, Club. And uh, tell us a little bit about everything you do in the amateur radio world. Well, uh, I, I uh, like to work uh, HF, mostly uh, 15 meters and uh, 30 meters. And 10 meters when it's open. But uh, 
you know how that is. <laughs> it's hit and miss on that. But uh, like two meters and four forty is also. They're uh, they're my favorite, I guess. Is uh, fifteen meters. Well, you know, I, I hear uh, Tom is active. This is one thing I will have to say. I hear him on the air quite a little bit, and uh, and and you know that, that's really kind of cool because if you're you're driving along in the car and you happen to get up on a on a simplex frequency and you're talking, and all of a sudden here comes Tom. It's nice to have company, you know. And he's one of these fellows that operates his radio. And uh, although I've never caught you on HF, I, I've I've run into you. My goodness, I don't know how many times on on two meters. We we meet regularly. It seems like you probably hear all of the, our clan talking on two meters from time to time. That's what it's about, uh, you know. Having the radio, you know, where you can. Uh, it's kind of like a party line, the old party line. You can keep up with what's going on. Uh, you know, you can sit back and listen to the traffic, or then you can get in there and uh, you know and talk with the rest of them, and uh, you know. It's uh, it's kind of nice to have it on in the background and keep it keep it uh, going and listen, uh, you know, see what's happening in the neighborhood. Well, you know, I, I haven't had. I mean, with all the schedule I keep, I don't have a chance to even go to to local club meetings. I'd love to, but tell the folks a little bit about the limited Lebanon Amateur Radio Club, Wilson County Amateur Radio Club. Probably is a better way to put it, and uh, what the activities are and things that are going on. Because you know, you've been involved in it pretty heavily. For a number of years, well, I, I used to be president of the club, and uh, after they uh, got tired of that, they made me uh, the uh, secretary, and then uh, I wound up being the secretary treasurer. So I'm a dual dual uh, dual jobs now. I've got two 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 tasks, I guess. Uh, some places the secretary and treasurer is one job, but uh, I enjoy it, and uh, I'm, I work with Aries. Uh, the Amateur Emergency Radio Service. I work with them when uh, there's uh, severe weather in the area. I go down to the National Weather Service here in uh, in Nashville and uh, man the uh, ham radio there, so I can take uh, you know check-ins and uh, report to weather in from uh, areas around in Middle Tennessee. And uh, I enjoy that. That's uh, that's something way to get back and serve the community well i know that um there's you know i, I think lebanon in and wilson county is not unlike uh many counties across the country and um there's um i, I know uh, at one point in time i remember coming to a couple of meetings and uh, people were bringing in things like little projects and whatnot and i think you guys had some transmitter hunts and whatnot so kind of involved in a lot of things you do a field day every year yeah, we do field day. Always uh, enjoy that. We get together and uh, usually have a cookout, and uh, it's a good good chance to get together. And uh, you know, some of us will set up radios, some of us don't. Some of them, you know, and then everybody drops by, and I wind up having more visitors use my radio than <laughs> than I do. But uh, that's the fun of it, just getting together and you know, have, taking part in that contest and uh, and getting out and uh, and playing with your radio. You know, we just, uh, you know, they say that boys uh, don't grow up. They just get bigger toys, and so <laughs> that's what we play with here. Uh, one something inter- interesting is uh, over here at the uh, the Don Fox Park <clears throat> here in, in Lebanon, uh, my older son David will take my grandson over to the playground, and he plays on the, on the, on the stuff over there. 
David sets up a little antenna and his uh, low power Yesu radio in the park there on like on a on a picnic table and operates. And before you know it, he's got a whole crowd of people standing around there watching. You know, so <laughs> you know that uh, you talk about using your radios. You know, that's uh, that's that's the key to it. I notice even at uh, Field Day, there's a lot of people come by that park or the fairgrounds, I should say, uh, to visit and look and see what's going on. Uh, well, there's people people that are helmet radio operators, and like you say, people who are interested in the hobby. You know, they've never ever had a, a chance to see it operate. You know, and it's fun to uh, to show out and uh, and uh, let them see what's going on. Oh, there you go. Well, hey, Tom, I know you. I know you said you were you came upstairs to listen for a little bit. You didn't want to be away from your family, so I don't want to keep you. But I really appreciate you calling and talking, and uh, look forward to seeing you here pretty soon. Well, maybe the next caller will be a, a DX caller, not right down the road from you, Ted. <laughs> hey, good luck, okay? <laughs> and seventy right. threes uh, to you. Bye bye. The seventy threes to you too. Bye bye. You're listening to WTWW, and this is only a test. Give us a call now at 615-547-9520 and share with a huge global radio audience at 615-547-9520. And now, back to the QSO Radio Show with Ted Randall. Want to remind you again, if they just stay on me here, be sure and mention Facebook and Twitter. Okay, so look us up. QSO Radio Show on Facebook and also at Twitter.com QSO Radio Show. It's Twitter.com, I guess, forward slash QSO Radio Show on the website. We appreciate you listening. Be sure and put on your email, I want to win. And who's on the phone with me here? Good morning, Bob and our Ted brother. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> how are you doing? Ted, I'm doing well. I got confused. I, I'm listening to you uh, on a uh, tuner out in uh, Colorado over the Internet. Uh-huh. There's a guy in Belgium on there with us. He's listening to us, too. And uh, I got confused there for a minute who I was talking to, Ted. This is KC5FM Lloyd in Oklahoma. Oh, very good. Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you something with the uh, with the amount of uh, I guess I want to say different kinds of media and things going on. We got a lot of folks listening on Wi-Fi radios, and uh, right. you know, inter- internet radios they call them Wi-Fi radios that they're that are listening right. on those and on computer and whatnot. Listening on and yeah. Well, tell me, um, t- tell me a little bit about your your ham radio career. Well. I'm a member of the Quarter Century Wireless Association, Ted, and that uh, would tell you that I've been a ham over 25 years. First licensed in 70 as WN5AXH. And back then, you had to learn it and use it or get out. And uh, so I've learned it and used it and enjoyed the hobby um, ever since. Well, what um, what captured your interest? I mean, you obviously you were, you know, walking down the street one day, and you were not a radio amateur. And at some point, you didn't have any idea what it was. And then all of a sudden, now you have a license. So, what caused all that to take place? Well, Ted, you're going to like this story because it was really shortwave radio that piqued my interest when I was a teenager back in the '60s. Um, I got a 
little transistor radio, and I would listen to broadcasters like HCJB in Quito, Ecuador, and Radio Negalant, and the Beeb, and Deutsche Welle, and even Radio Havana, Cuba. And I got to listening to that. Now I would tune to the uh, maritime radio uh, ship to shore telephone, and I would hear the the shrimp boats out in the Gulf of Mexico talking back to their loved ones in the States, and I thought, that's cool. And then I investigated um, briefly uh, Citizens Band Radio and said, that's cool, but I want to really talk to somebody reliably all across the world. And found, uh, I don't remember his call. His name's Roy Reese. He's dead now. And uh, that was back when you could get your ham radio license by proving that you could actually send code at five words a minute and learning a little bit of theory. And Roy Reese in Hobart, Oklahoma, was the guy that gave me my novice test. And um, the rest is history, as they say, Ted. Well, uh, I, I guess uh, uh, what... I mean, I was going to say what got your interest. Usually there's something inside of the um, amateur radio arena that just really sticks out. And uh, all of a sudden you just say, hey, you know what, i got to do that. I've got to have one of those. Was there anything like that? Well, sure. And uh, your previous caller mentioned the amateur radio emergency service. And I'm an emergency manager. And so... The Amateur Radio Emergency Service and Radio Amateur Civil Emergency Service would be uh, an interest to me. And being in Oklahoma, you can't be a ham radio operator. Well, there's there's people that will disagree with me, but you, you obviously going to have some interest in Skywarn, which is reporting bad weather to the weather service. And a lot of the hams out here they'll use ham radios and. They talk to the weather service over amateur radio. So there's a, a myriad of interests that keep me involved in ham radio, and Skywarn's one of them. Races is another. Uh, I enjoy listening to um, HF radio nets. Even if I don't get on and talk, I can uh, listen over the computer, and if I want to get off and talk, I have a radio in the truck, and I have a radio in the car, and all I have to do is put the antenna on, and I could be listening to you on uh, your 60-meter channel, or I could be talking to you on 80-meters sideband if you were uh, on the, on the uh, if, you, if, if you had that interest. There's a lot of, my point of this segment is that there's a lot of things in amateur radio that uh, pique people's interest. And like this weekend, there's an AM transmitter rally um, for the old amplitude modulated glow-in-the-dark boxes that we knew when we were younger. And they floated a balloon up in Texas that's on its way to China and right now it's over the Gulf of Mexico. And you can track that on automatic packet recording system. There's just a lot of interest in ham radio that keep us going. Yeah, I saw that. They've launched a balloon. They launched it from Texas. And uh, I don't know how they've determined that it's going to wind up in China. I don't know how they... 
but uh, you can track that. There's a method right now you can track that, and I guess the, the thing has got uh, uh, amateur transmitter on board. And uh, do, you, do you understand the mechanics as to how that's being tracked right now? I do, as a matter of fact. If you'll go to aprs.fi, that's Alpha Papa Romeo Sierra.fi, and enter this call sign in the SAC call sign box. Uh, the call sign's KT5TK-11. That's Kilo Tango 5 Tango Kilo-11. And you'll find that that balloon is over the Gulf of New Mexico, uh, south of Louisiana now. So it launched about 3 o'clock in Texas, and it's making its trek at, um, oh, how, how high? At 45,000 feet. 45,763 feet to be exact. That's amazing. Totally amazing. Do they have any idea, though, how could they predict just wind speed or, or, or direction that, that it was going to wind up in China? Or, or I mean, I, I would think the thing could get blown around anywhere. Evidently, there must be a pattern to this or something. Well, there is, and, and it goes back to meteorology. You know how the fronts move through the atmosphere, and they... Typically, in the northern hemisphere, they go from left to right or west to east. Well, the upper air winds are going to steer this. Now, can they predict um, right now where it's going to land in China? Well, uh, I would think that they could get close. I could say it's going to head to China, but uh, there's plenty of factors that would keep it from doing that. For example, 45,000 feet it might run into something or something more likely would run into it. And then there's uh, the case of the buoyancy of the balloon as it loses uh, helium. It will probably descend some, and that would that would uh, take the track away from where it's going. So hey, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of variables there. Well, that's, that's a really incredible. So what city are you near? I am in Altus, Oklahoma, and that's in southwest Oklahoma, home to the Altus Area Amateur Radio Association and the Altus Skywarn Association. Hello to KE5BPL, who's the Skywarn um, president, and hello to AD5FS, who's the Altus uh, Area Amateur Radio Association president. Um. Now you said something about you were you were talking to someone or listening to someone or someone was listening overseas and I I didn't quite get all that. Can you explain that one yeah. more time when we first started talking? Sure. This is um, uh, listening to you on five zero eight five using the uh, Grand Junction, Colorado Global Tuner. If you'll go to globaltuners dot com. Global Tuners with an S dot com, and I'm listening to you. Uh, and there's a gentleman in Belgium. We're tuned up on that frequency of five zero eight five with this receiver, and he's listening to you in Belgium. And I'm listening to you, and we're sitting here uh, having a little chat on our keyboard, talking to each other. Uh, and he's, like I said, he's hearing you on the same tuner I'm using. Well, that's incredible. I thought that's what you said, but 
I, I kind of wanted you to explain it because I didn't quite understand the whole thing, and I know that probably the audience didn't as well. Well, listen, I thank you so much uh, for calling us tonight. Good hearing from you, and once again, I, I look forward to uh, talking to you again sometime, hopefully over the air. And, uh, thank you, Ted. You have and, uh, enjoying your program. You have three. You have a good night. This is WTWW, and this is only a test, and you're listening on frequency 5085 kilohertz. You are invited to share the magic of HF broadcasting and amateur radio to a worldwide listening audience. Welcome. This is the QSO Radio Show. Give us a call now at 615-547-9520 and share with a huge global radio audience. That's 615-547-9520. And now, the QSO Radio Show with Ted Randall. And we continue. And uh, once again, QSORadioshow.com. And you can find us on Facebook as well as QSO Radio Show and on, uh, on Twitter at uh, twitter.com QSO Radio Show. And uh, be sure and put on the email, I want to win. That's very important, very important. Okay, and who do I have on the telephone with me here? Well, good evening. You have Bob, WD8AQX from Farmington Hills, Michigan. Uh, hello, Bob. So how, what's our signal like up there tonight? Well, it's coming in pretty well. Uh, I got a little bit, of, uh, little bit of noise on it, but not bad. It's a pretty good signal up this way. Oh, I see. Well, you know, we just changed the batteries in the transmitter, so we should be... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you, okay. um, you, you. I want to hear your stories uh, about about you, you. You got a story to tell. You said, but first, I want to hear about your beginnings in ham radio and when you got started and uh, all that sort of thing. Well, you know, my days go back to uh, even grade school. I had a good friend who now lives on the East Coast, and we grew up together and always had an interest in ham radio. We used to uh, practice Morse code back and forth, but we never got our licenses until. Uh, the 1970s, at that point, we were probably uh, in our late 20s or 30s at, at that point. And I got licensed, in fact, just after the bicentennial in 1976 with a novice, and then the following year a tech license. And then I moved up to advanced within a few months. Just recently I've gotten the extra class, actually about three years ago. So I, I've kind of made, uh, made the grade all the way to the top, but I've had some really exciting times in ham radio, working a variety of modes, Everything from CW to sideband to AM to FM to packet radio and teletype and probably a few others I can't even remember at this point. Mobile to mobile HF across country, uh, that kind of thing. It's been a lot of fun. And um, going back to my early days, I can remember when I was first licensed as an advanced class, I had a setup here that was kind of humble, just some dipole antennas and things of that sort. But I, uh, I had come home one evening in the summer uh, looking for maybe some excitement on the band, and I was disappointed to find that there was nothing nothing of any consequence, it seemed, on 20 or 15 or 10 meters or any of those frequencies. But I thought, I'm going to give just one call. And so I tuned into 15 meters, tuned up the transmitter. In those days, you had to do that. And uh, I listened, uh, found nothing from one end of the band to the other, and I gave one call, just one call, CQ from WD8AQX, and then I, I flipped it to receive. And almost immediately, a station answered me from uh, 
just uh, just near Australia. And I said, oh, my gosh, what have I got here? He had a, a, quite an accent, but was a great conversation. We talked for probably 45 minutes, and at the end of the conversation, I tuned the band quickly, and there was nobody around again. So I don't know how that happened, but it was such a surprise, and, and it taught me that... Uh, Go fishing once in a while because you never know what's out there and you may be in for a big surprise. But it made my day because it was the furthest I had ever gotten on ham radio with a rather humble setup, not a lot of power or anything like that. And yet we had uh, perfect signals going each way on 15 meters. Well, you know, I've said this before. I've said, you know, I think sometimes there's nobody on the band because there's nobody on the band. (laughs) In other words, as soon as one guy gets on, then all of a sudden, it's easy to um, it's easy to draw a crowd, you know. Uh, and and I, I've noticed this too. There, you know, the bands will be completely dead. Let a contest come along. And all of a sudden, there's all this activity, you know. So I, I think you're right. I think people give up. You know, they they don't venture out. I mean, you know, why why would you not just for the just for the sake of doing it get on 15 meters? At 2 o'clock in the morning, and call CQ and just see. Um, I've had some pretty amazing contacts like that. You know, wee hours of the morning on a band that you think is dead. And guess what? It's not dead. Uh, but you may be the only two in the entire world <laughs> that, are, that are trying the band out at that hour. I don't know. When you think about it, we were not the only, not only the only two in the world maybe on that band, but he just had, had to be on the right frequency. At the same time, and when you consider the whole band was dead and I just spun the dial, uh, that was just an amazing coincidence. Um, now, your local, your, your local club, uh, t- tell us a little bit about that, because uh, uh, Gary Morgan, very good friend of mine. Actually, I went to school with Gary uh, in, uh, in the Detroit area, actually in Durban Heights. And he is the, is he still the president of this club? or how? He was the last time I... I spoke with him. I, I don't believe he is currently the president, but he has been in the past. Uh, Gary and I uh, met actually at the Detroit Edison Company. We had a radio club there for many years. It had started back in the 1940s. Had uh, gone into some uh, silent mode there for a while and then was reestablished in the 1970s when I joined up with it. And uh, he and I have both held the office of president and various other offices in the club throughout the years. But our club finally expired in about the mid to late 1990s. Being a company club, we uh, were not attracting many people from outside, and we were getting an older company, and and so we we put the club to bed, so to speak. But uh, Gary joined up with the South Lion Radio Club. South Lion is a town probably about 30 to 40 miles west of Detroit, and I live about, uh, I'd say, about 25 to 30 miles from there. And, I have been uh, been out there joining them on field day and a couple of other events here and there from time to time, but um, it, it's good to be back into it. Uh, I think a lot of us in ham radio uh, kind of went silent for a while and have found other activities like computers, and, and in the earlier days, CB radio attracted uh, quite a bit of attention from people as well, but uh, I think it's stirring again, and I, I think there's a lot of excitement, and I've been getting all of my equipment back in shape, and getting some antennas up here and uh, just beginning to become active again. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I, it's very strange. I went to school with uh, with Gary. We hooked up, and as soon as we did, I mean, I had lost track of him, and he had lost track of me. 
and uh, all of a sudden, we, we we hooked up and both discovered that both of us had ham tickets. And uh, that goes back to junior high school days, I guess, you know. So, And, uh, of course, I get a chance to see him at Dayton every year. And he kind of keeps me, he has kept me updated as to what was going on with that local club. And it sounded like you guys really had a lot of really good stuff going on, uh, you know, in, inside that organization. So, well, listen, I pre, I really appreciate you uh, you calling and sharing with us and telling us uh, telling us that story because I really happen to believe that. I, I believe that in, um, in a lot of cases, you know, we give up just way too early. You know, we don't we don't just you know the thing too we don't do I, I notice that you know you people will tune in especially like if for example if you're on the eighty meter band at night you know you'll um, you know you'll you'll happen along a QSO and you sit there and then maybe they'll get to talking about something and you'll break in uh, but what I what I'm what I'm wondering about is I mean I think one of the things we we really need to do even on eighty meters and that is um, rekindle calling cq on a blank frequency you know just getting in there and calling cq i think that's uh that's just so it's that's cool i mean it's a way to initiate a brand new conversation and uh a brand new qso i think that absolutely and And I, i think one other thing too that i can say is that the hobby is very diverse you can find something for everyone in there i tend to be a technical guy liking to build things experiment around i find there's a lot to do and if Instead, you prefer doing public uh, service uh, events or getting involved with uh, uh, relaying communications around the world or getting involved in DXing or whatever it is you like to do. You can, you can find others that will share that uh, with you in ham radio. And that has been, uh, that has been the, the great part about it in my mind. Well, thank you so much uh, for calling. I want to also say, well, I've got you on the phone, and I don't know anything about the Ann Arbor Club but uh, we have a friend that uh, lives up in your area, manufacturer. Matter of fact, she works in uh, in Farmington Hills. Her name is Barb, and she got she's got the most unusual call sign. If you write it out on a piece of paper, it's uh, it's KG one R L Y. Okay. If you if you were to see it on a license plate, it clearly says Gurley. But anyways, uh, <laughs> she she wanted that call sign. Uh, she went down and and took the test at the. Uh, uh, through the Ann Arbor Club at uh, the Red Cross there. And she said the people there were phenomenal. And uh, so you, it sounds like you guys got a lot going on up there uh, in the Michigan area. Got a lot of good clubs and a lot of good activity going on. There so, still are some good clubs around the area that have been active for many years. Trying to get her active on, on one of the repeaters up there. See, we can't coerce her onto one. But uh, anyhow, I want to say hello to her and thank her for listening as well. Thank you so much. We appreciate hearing from you, sir. And hopefully, thanks very much for taking the call and WD8AQX uh, bidding you a seventy-three and right, everyone maybe, out there. Maybe maybe we'll run into you at Dayton and uh, be sure and tell Gary I said hello if he, if he's not listening right now. Anyways, folks, I want to. Uh, I've been handed a note that says that George has to make um, some sort of an adjustment on the transmitter. So we're going to leave the air uh, for a few moments here, and then we'll be back. Uh, so don't touch that dial. <laughs> leave it right where it's at and we will be back as soon as he makes whatever adjustment he needs to make on the transmitter this is wtww 11 in tennessee and this is only 
a test. This is WTWW, and this is only a test. And you're listening on frequency 5085 kilohertz. You are invited to share the magic of HF broadcasting and amateur radio to a worldwide listening audience. Welcome. This is the QSO Radio Show. Give us a call now at 615-547-9520 and share with a huge global radio audience. That's 615-547-9520. And now, the QSO Radio Show with Ted Randall. Okay, we are back. I understand the uh, transmitter's back. I have no idea what they did. We'll have to check in and find out. Who do we have on the phone with us here? Hi, Ted. I'm Cody from Ukiah, California, K6MEU. Well, hello there, and how are you tonight? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Well, doing doing fine. Um, tell Tell me a little bit about your, your interest in amateur radio. Well, uh, my interest actually started out, I was kind of a, a scanner geek. I'm in the fire service, have been for the last 15 years, and uh, I met a good friend of mine. Who, well, he's a good friend now. I met a guy who's a state radio tech for uh, the state of California, and he's a ham, and he got me into it. And next thing you know, I'm uh, on HF and two meters. I'm into APRS tracking and uh, the whole nine yards now. Well, that's uh, that's that's very cool. What uh, what started you out in this? Where, where what was the beginning catalyst for all this? Uh, the beginning catalyst had to have been uh, listening to my buddy uh, talk to his wife on uh, a two meter simplex channel, and I was like, you know, that's kind of cool because it was kind of you know uh, another line of communication there that uh, you know in the age of cell phones and everything, um, and and everything that's going on with that as far as not being able to talk, you know, on your phone while you're uh, driving down the road and what have you, laws against that. Kind of gives you another avenue to uh, make communications with people and stay in touch um, as needed. And it kind of uh, gave me another another view on the radios, um, aside from the fire service, being able to get into the technical aspect of it and, uh, you know, learn more about how to operator radio as opposed to turning it on and going responding in a fire engine well you know i i, I guess the uh the public service side of uh, of amateur radio is something that i think is a draw to a lot of people that is along with i think the weather chasing has that ever been something that has uh, uh got your attention you know of chasing weather and and being involved in uh skywarn well, you know, uh, out here in California, we're, our, our Skywarn kind of thing really isn't existent because we just don't have the, uh, you know, uh, weather-related issues, so to speak, as the Midwest does with tornadoes and stuff like that. I do enjoy uh, uh, listening to and watching the tornadoes and uh, the storm chasers and stuff like that in the Midwest. I think those guys are 